Well, hello everybody, it's Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Well, it's a, I had to think about it, Tuesday. I, I know, I didn't say it this time. I've been saying it's Tuesday after. Well, I like it better when you don't, because I don't know, it's like changing the rhythm of the opening. I know. Always a director writer, just rewriting, always rewriting. Throwing us off, throwing us off. Like we could get off. I don't think we could get off with this show. Oh, that sounds dirty. Well, uh, that is not, yes, that is correct. That is not the idea here. I, this meant, is not I, meant, I don't think we can get off track because we just stay off track. That's well, I was it. about to say, there is no track. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome. Uh, as you coming on in on the Facebook, the YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitter, uh, please share the broadcast with your friends, family, and fans. Uh, if you have comments or questions, write them in. If we find them entertaining, we'll address them. Uh, stop on by. Yeah. How are you today? I'm good. I'm all right. I don't know, Emerson. Are you all right? I mean, they closed down our city again. It's like I'm all right and glad about it. Like I know I ever necessary. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous what's going on everywhere. I just am appalled at um, us. I mean, not me personally. Because I'm, I don't want to be sick, so I'm scared. I just stay in and you know, just get more yep. depressed and more anxious. But yeah, yep. uh, well, I had a lovely doctor's appointment yesterday with a lovely doctor lady from the LGBT center, and she prescribed me pills that I can start tonight. So y'all may see a whole new me. Oh, you go, you get some happy pills, Emerson. I'm going pilling. Yeah, I um, love it. Pillin, I, that, that's a, a, a term that my um, Aunt Rita used to use. Uh, she said, I sure, uh -huh. you know that story where she told me that one of my cousins was going into rehab, but she said, I sure am gonna miss pillin on Friday nights. Yep. Uh, I love- well, I, Now I'm gonna start pillin on a Tuesday night. Uh, well, for I those of you that have been watching, I've talked a good bit about my, with what's going on, my anxiety has passed beyond my ability to manage it personally. So. A great conversation with my health provider, and we are starting a new uh, adventure. So, um, and I and I say that, and I've been sharing about it because this is hard, and it's hard for everybody, and it's hard in different ways. Some of it's where we can manage it ourselves. It's also important to know when you can't manage it yourself anymore and talk to somebody. So, I had a lovely virtual telehealth conversation um, to get to get us uh, more assistance because that's necessary for me right now. So. Talk about these things, check in with yourselves and each other. And if you get to where you can't manage, there's people that went to school for a whole lot of years to help you. That know more than we do. Oh, you know, you know, I've had a lot of therapy in my life. I know, I know that's hard to believe because it, as, um, as one of my characters once said, well, it ain't no working. Uh, but, uh, well, and of course you'll appreciate, you know, she walked me through, there's a, there's a quick seven step anxiety test that you can do that asks about you know what what the, your thoughts in the last couple of weeks and so we went through the test and I said now doctor I need to tell you my answers weren't very good um, and and I was being silly but also not because I've spent a lot of work I've done a lot of work on myself and I know how to manage a lot of things and I said so some of those things sounded pretty good but I need to tell you I definitely need something because it's beyond my like coping mechanism skills she was like I hear that I receive that as well. So you did the appointment online, a virtual doctor's appointment? Yeah, you know, unless you need to, they're doing you know great telehealth uh, stuff. I didn't have anything. 
I needed to look at. You know, it wasn't like, oh, can you look at this spot right here in my inner thigh or anything? So or bend over and cough. Um, uh -huh. Wink I, at me. Just bend but, over and wink. Um, uh, yeah, I had one. I had to tell a, a, a you just you know to renew a, a prescription. I had to go. You, you have to talk. You have to talk, and yes. they have to see you to justify it. But yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you're getting help, Emerson. Um, Eloy asked, what's that fab shirt are you wearing? It's amazing that I it's, I actually wore this shirt um, the very first time we had the Dell and Emerson show, the reboot. So this is I, this is a repeat, y'all. This is my first repeat, I think. Or maybe I wore the Pride t-shirt a few times. But uh, this is a t-shirt that has Hot Wheels on it. And... Uh, I was not into Hot Wheels. I was into, you know, Barbies and Susie Q dolls when I was a kid. But I, I love this uh, shirt for all the colors. And I have to say, all of my clothes, this shirt gets more compliments combined. I mean, it's just like I, 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 I dread the day. I, I fray this shirt and don't get to wear it anymore. <laughs> I know I've got some that have been around for a while. Brian said the feathers in the background are fabulous. Just a big win today. People love the shirt. They love the set. Well, I have a whole new, I will tell y'all, let me just zoom up. I have a whole new piece of furniture behind me that is actually probably several, a couple of hundred years old. Uh, by our dear friend, Sarah Hunley, uh, willed me that, uh, who played Juanita. And it's been sitting in my garage. So, um, Matt, my good friend Matt Hayes, and I have spent the last few days redecorating my house. Now, when I say redecorating, it's just moving furniture around because you're redecorating on a budget. It, 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 it's very different than, go, oh, I'm going to redecorate. So, but I love what he did to my house. And so it's when it's all over, I'll do a little Facebook tour or Instagram to it. And it's a great thing to do. You know, when we look down the rest of this year and those of us that aren't working in essential businesses that may be home through the end of the year, changing up your space is a great way to, you know, shift your mental health a little bit too. let it feel fresh and new. Oh, it does. A few, every a few room, new props. It's every, every single room has been changed. And the only thing we spent money on or were, were pillows. So, and um, thank God. I mean, no, I don't mean that because I was going to say, thank God that uh, Pier One went out of business. I don't mean that. <laughs> so they went out of business, but therefore I got pillows really cheap. <laughs> I don't think Pier One, the corporation, is going to take that personally. Yes. I was like, it, it worked in my favor that Pier One, because uh, uh, he went somewhere else where they bought up all of Pier One. I don't know. Matt did it. Thank you, Matt. Okay. I don't know where this is going, but. <laughs> he said, I got myself one. I want to know when you say, I, am I still into amputees? Look, I've never been into amputees sexually or anything. I, I that's not, I, that, that is not what I would, I have written about amputees. I always say in my shows, I go, there's a lot of prisons, pills and amputees in my family. So, um, but, uh, I, I want to know, though, he said he got one. I want to know if he is involved with an amputee or if he got something amputated. So I want to hear back. All right. Well, Mark, you tell us that story and we'll come back to it. 
Um, and what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. So kick it off and tell us a story. Well, this is not nonsense. In the wake of the uh, SCOTUS decision, uh, that title seven's ban on discrimination because of sex includes discrimination against LGBT people. The House Democrats are now asking the military to end Donald Trump's transgender military ban. The letter, which was sent by Representative Susan uh, Del Benny, a uh, Democrat from Washington and signed by 116 Democratic members of Congress, says that the transgender military ban is an attack on transgender service members who are risking their lives to serve our country. And Trump's trans base has four federal, uh, I mean, base, uh, his ban has four federal lawsuits that have uh, had some early victories in court but did not prevent the ban from being implemented. The letter explains the challenges that the lawsuit challenged the ban based on the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment, which like Title VII prohibits sex discrimination. So there you go. If this goes through, then... Well, yeah. and it's exciting because what we talked about, the, the Title VII case, the victory there, gives ammunition to a lots of other kinds of discrimination. It, it should give motivation to the Equality Act, and I like these legislators pursuing getting rid of the ban now because working up through the court cases is taking, you know, is a time consuming and lengthy process. Um, and RBG's back in the hospital today, you know, reminding oh, us all again. Yeah, she went in uh, to get antibiotics for an infection. They say she's resting comfortably. Um, so, but it's a reminder that we don't want to just rely on the courts to solve the problems in the event that anything changes there. So pushing and pursuing uh, through the administration and through legislation is a really great thing as well. And that Title VII case is going to be really useful to lots of discrimination and equality-based pursuit for trans people, for healthcare, for housing. So hopefully uh, that's a very useful decision going forward. Um, and in international news, we've talked a couple of times recently, so I wanted to share Poland just completed their presidential elections, and by the slimmest margin since the communist regime fell in the 80s, uh, the homophobic president looks like he won re-election over the liberal mayor of Warsaw. We've talked about how like 100 towns in Poland have created LGBTQ free zones. They introduced that stop pedophilia bill uh, targeting specifically sex education on LGBT topics. And this president is still backing legislation that would ban homo propaganda in public spaces, as well as a bill that would ban adoption by same-sex couples. And he really used those things in campaigning. And the turnout in this election was really huge, which is sort of similar to our weird problem here. It's like lots of bigots making sure he wanted to get elected. But his opponents said, the narrow results show at least 50% of the country doesn't want to live in a society based on hate. Last year, we saw the largest number of pride parades across Poland. Young people do not believe in the primitive propaganda of uh, his of the Duda, the president's party. So lots of struggle continuing very visibly uh, in our community in Poland with a very disappointing result for them. It's very like the Trump moment, like reelecting the big bigot they were really hoping to get out. Well, I hope we don't see that. That would not be true. Um, well, we also have more uh, Karen uh, news. Um, they continue. They continue to come forth. The Karens are coming forth. Uh, and even before you tell it, and getting braver. You know, we had our Tennessee Ku Klux Klan right into the camera. This is another one right into the camera. Like 
Rat. You know, that's my favorite thing ever. Ku Klux Karen and he denied it. Uh, well, a 60-something-year-old uh, woman was called out for uh, parking her non-electric car in a spot reserved for electric vehicles. When the uh, video starts, she says, oh, please take this, and spanks her butt. Uh, then she storms back to her car to make her own video saying, I'm tired of these punks who think they're, they own the world and can do what they want. She explains to security that there are no other spots and she's waiting for someone in a bad car accident at the optometrist. And then she comes for the videographer saying, you're disgusted and I'm so sick of these young people who think that they're all that. Here you go, sweetheart, let's test you. My goodness, nothing better to do with your time because this is what your generation does. You, you go on grinder and do hookups. You show every part of your body and you have no self-respect. Oh my goodness, none whatsoever. Um, she agrees to move her vehicle, but adds about the videos, yours goes up, mine goes up, and it will have a lot to say. I have so many questions. Oh, I do too. I do go. Like, it is such a surprising turn. I'm like, does she have a gay son, a gay grandson? Like, she just goes right for you're on grinder, showing off your body. You should be ashamed. That is so specific. It's like my mother would not leap to that. No, it's almost like she has a secret account. Like she has like, a secret grinder account or something. Like it just seems so like cognitive dissonance that this woman, first of all, the like that presumpt that presumption of privilege of like, well, I'm waiting on somebody. They were in a terrible accident and they went into the optometrist and there's nowhere for me to park. And if that security guard will move, I'll park there. But if not, I'm gonna park right here. Then she got into that thing, right? Where she was like, whoa, he's like, there's a sign. And she's like, well, I can't read it. I can't read it. Like you couldn't get out of your car and then see, oh, I can't park here because there's a big old thing for a car that's not mine. Well, like that arrogance and, combined with a woman who knows about Grinder. Yes, and, and and let's go back to what uh, she's there for uh, because her friend or, or someone was in a, a big bad car wreck and they're at the optometrist. It's just well, like- I assume it's like, I thought it made sense to me. You know, there was an accident, and if there was an injury, I'm going to get blanks. I did not fill in those blanks. I thought you and know, yeah, she's like doing a favor. She's driving somebody that clearly can't drive. So there's all these juxtas. It's very like Plano Pauline, right? Like she's doing a good deed, but she's like, but I'm going to park whatever I want. And also, I'm weirdly like homophobic about you getting out there and putting your body out there, but I know about it. I just do not understand. And how did she know that who this person was? I mean, she the videographer. I mean, did, how did she leap to that that he was on Grinder? Maybe he's in a crop top. <laughs> I know mean, that crop tops were like huge on straight guys in like the seventies. Oh, those those and those mesh ones. Those are kind of hot. That football. Yeah, players. well, it was like you know when like the short short basketball shorts and a crop top and a headband was like such a straight guy outfit or like a flower childy looking thing. And well, now it's like you can I, make a a likely presumption. I don't know if I've told you this story. I know I've told you this story, but I'm not, I'm not sure I've told it here, but it is worth repeating. I used to walk down to a park down the street from me and one, and it's where the Hollywood bowl, a lot of people are eating. There are these two gay guys that started 
talking to me about my dogs. They were, are those chihuahuas? Are those chihuahuas? And I was like, uh, yes. And uh, they said, so in the conversation, they go, oh, by the way, uh, the, the Hollywood, Bowl, did you know that the Hollywood Bowl, it's a gay event tonight? And I said, well, excuse me, how did you make the leap that I'm gay? Is it the chihuahuas? And one of them goes, no, it's the tank top. It was a little low. The tank top was a little low. But we don't want to assume, but sometimes you can assume. <laughs> but I, oh, what this Karen just was so layered for me. It was so much more like thought provoking than others have been. So at least she was providing some variety. And yeah, she may have like had a little bit of that. Uh, that bipolar, that, not bipolar, that's not what I'm looking for. You know where your mind just kind of hops from subject to subject. She's just I'm going. not familiar with this idea. Please explain to me more what someone would be like if they did this. What? Like me? <laughs> yes, like you. If their mind just jumped from topic it's to topic. Dialogue, Emerson. The, what I teach is messy dialogue. Um. Yeah, wait, Judy, Judy responded. She let, there it is. ADHD. ADHD. Thank you, Judy. Thank It is, it is one of the you. symptoms that can be related to That's that. Exactly. And y'all, we, also, we love your comments. Always feel free to comment on the stories, share thoughts. You know, we like oh, to hear feathers. what you my Jonathan Adler feathers. Okay, we did that. Moving on. Um, Sports Illustrated is breaking ground this year with its first trans model in the swimsuit issue. 23-year-old Brazilian model Valentina Sampaio was dubbed a 2020 rookie in the, uh, in the issue that's out this July. She said, I was so filled with so many emotions of happiness when I heard the news to come from a space of fear and marginalization to now being included in one of the most iconic magazines that embraces and celebrates diversity, it's life-changing. As a community, each personal success is a step forward for all. I honor the challenges of those who have paved the way for me directly or indirectly. They have made where I am today possible. I'm committed to keep growing and push boundaries so that I can in some way pave the way for others. We're here, we've always been here, and we always will be. Last year, she broke ground as the first trans model to partner with Victoria's Secret appearing in a campaign for the lingerie brand's pink line. And I have a photo. She is so stunning, yeah. as yeah. you would expect. Um, so here is Valentina uh, for Sports Illustrated out in July. And it is a, you know, it's an interesting thing, right? Because there's some people who might complain about Sports Illustrated or uh, Victoria's Secret's uh, presentation of a very specific kind of woman. Uh, but in, you know, trans people breaking ground to be seen as a sexual woman along with like the feminine ideals to say trans women are just like every other kind of women um, is a big and exciting win in that. So congratulations, Valentina. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty name. Um, so, all right. We got a little San Francisco bathhouse news. Um, 1970s. Uh, Bathhouses thrived in San Francisco and many other cities. Uh, however, the AIDS crisis uh, created a stigma around bathhouses. And in 1984, a, course, a court forced their closure as a means of curbing the spread of HIV. Now, in the age of PrEP and renewed LGBTQ rights, gay district supervisor Rafael Mandelman wants to change that. He said bathhouses were a focal point of gay life 
and uh, gay social life in San Francisco and were important community meeting places where friends would gather to share stories, dance to the latest disco hits, or watch a live show. Uh, COVID-19 has resulted in the closure of many small businesses, a deadening of our uh, neighborhood commercial corridors and record unemployment in San Francisco and around the country. I hope this ordinance will make the operation of adult sex venues more feasible and will encourage the opening of new businesses that will aid in our economic recovery. He has introduced an ordinance to allow the return, which is uh, when it's safe to do so. Please allow, he says, for adult sex venues to be part of our economic and cultural recovery. When it's safe to do so, Mandelman's measure passed through committee unanimously and will go to the full board of supervisors to vote next week. So uh, I agree with Rick LeBlanc. Yay, bathhouse. You know, I was reading this story and I put it in because I've always been obsessed and sort of enamored with the mythology of the bathhouses of the 70s uh, prior to the HIV AIDS crisis. Because like think I always think of like Bette Midler performing yeah, yeah. in bathhouses. Like if we brought back that kind of like open minded venue that's a sex place and a performance venue and all of those things included. I just love that. Like if you're going to see a show at the bathhouse and you could have sex with somebody and not even have to bother like getting all the way home. If there's a show, I'd like a show. When he said that, when he said that, when he said, you know, it's a place, uh, a social place uh, where, you know, you gather to share stories, uh, dance to the latest disco and watch a live show. He didn't say and get a blowjob, but it, you know that it. Uh, oh, Rick says he worked at one uh, in both '82 and 2010. Well, that's very recent, Rick. That's quite a range. You know, I went to bathhouses in Europe when I backpacked um, in Amsterdam, and then the year that I backpacked from Prague to Istanbul. I went, to, I took the Spartacus Guide for the younger homosexuals. The Spartacus Guide was a travel book that had from all over the world, the lists of bars and clubs and places that were known to be specifically gay. And I was backpacking by myself and I took it and I went to several like in smaller places where I didn't have anything to do. And I went to one in Bratislava in Slovakia. There were two guys there because it was the middle of the afternoon. I booked myself three and a half days in Bratislava and I saw the whole town in one. So I was like, well, I'll go check this out. And they were so great. We sat in there for like eight hours and we chatted, we had food. I had sex with both of them separately. Then we chatted some more. And there was something about it that was very fun and different for them and what I feel like our perception of them are here. Yeah. You know, not weird. There, there was, um, you know, we, we've, we've chatted about this before. And I think with, with what's going on right now and, and just an evolution in my own life and my mind thinking, uh, one of the, one of my, my issues is that years ago, I, um, you know, I've told you this story where there's a, a sex club in LA uh, called the zone. And I had this boyfriend who open-minded boyfriend who wanted to take me there. And, um, and I actually got recognized. Somebody came up to me. I thought he was cruising me and I was all excited. And then he asked me if I was Del Shores and it just freaked me out. And, and then he told me how much he loved Southern Baptist Sissies. And I mean, this was like when the play first opened and how meaningful it was, he started crying at the zone. And I'm like, 
wow, I don't know what to do except leave. So, um, so, but, 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 but then I started exploring something when I was in Fort Lauderdale last year, I went to this, this all men's, you know, no shame kind of, uh, massage, blah, blah, blah. And I realized that I was worried about being recognized. And, and I, I, I realized that that was part of shame. That was part of shame in all of that. So what if I'm recognized? And it did happen. It did happen. And I was okay with it. And it, it, it was felt fine, you know? Well, and for me, it falls into the category of like, certainly it's not a, a style, a kind of engagement that's interesting to everybody. But I do think, you know, that idea that what if there was a freewheeling sexual venue that also had shows and also had, you know, that it might not be for everybody, but that it could be for somebody. Because I do, I think there's so many of us as we grow out of the shame associated with our sexuality, you know, we get to heteronormative sexuality, but with a man and we stop there. And that may be all that you need, vanilla monogamous sex, but the idea that you could explore other things or consider other things. I just like the idea, you know, that it might not be a shameful thing. There was a club in Amsterdam that had a sex party on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, in Texas, it's like church, buffet, nap time. And, you know, oh, not, no. and I watched like groups of friends going in together. And, you know, there's just, I, sometimes I think our sort of puritanical approach to sex inhibits people even considering whether they might be interested or not in a different forum for exploring. Might not be right for you, but I like the idea they might yeah, don't bring yeah. it back. And I don't think we need to be judging everybody that that might indulge in, and enjoy. So there you go. Said, I gotta say back in the day, I was able to travel cross country and stay in big city bathhouses dirt cheap compared to hotels with benefits if he wanted. Well, look at you, Scott Fullerton. John said, I saw the Ritz on TV as a kid and could not wait to grow up and go to a bathhouse. Oh, ambitions. We all have ambitions, John. Matt said, Grinder and other gay sex apps seem to be slowly replacing both gay bars and bathhouses. And certainly, and you know, it's cultural acceptability. Um, but I still, I love the like men only resorts in Palm Springs. You know, I like that. And I like keeping those things as a choice rather than a necessity because they were the only places we were safe. You know, our bars, our clubs, our places. Um, but keeping some of them open for people who might want sometimes more exclusive places, yay fun. Yeah. Well. Um, all right. In a different direction, uh, as the COVID-19 pandemic raged in Italy, a surgeon allegedly complained to his coworkers in the room as a patient lay sedated on the table that it wasn't fair he had to operate on a shitty faggot during an emergency. When another doctor spoke up, asking the irate surgeon what he had against gay people, the surgeon ejected them from the operating room. Now, a complaint has been filed with the College of Physicians. He's been suspended. Um, if found guilty, the, the harsh penalties would be applied, they said. The president of the Italian Federation of Surgeons said, if this turns out to be true, it's extremely serious. Um, so, but I wanted to include it because it's such an aggressively specific example of discrimination and bigotry impacting people's health care. You know, this is with a gay patient, but it goes exponentially more for trans people, you know, trying to find a health care provider, one that knows the things they need them to, and two, will handle them with sensitivity throughout the process. What if they're nice to your face and then a bigot about you while you're under having a surgery? And it relates to our other big topic, you know, with Black Lives Matter and talking about that, because 
There's incredible discrimination, race-based discrimination in medicine and healthcare based on crazy old ideas about black people experiencing pain less. Pregnant black women are far more likely to miscarry, mm-hmm. to have their pain dismissed. I just thought this was such an aggressively blatant example of how dangerous discrimination in healthcare is and how and it also affects marginalized communities exponentially more. Well, and you know, I, I well, never mind. Um, I was going to say something, but here what? We, uh, well, I was just going to say, you, you know, with uh, I, I, I'm so glad with these recent uh, Supreme Court decisions because I was really worried that it's and, and some of it even even still with this, uh, you know, religious based that that could so happen. I mean, you could just like you could just be there and the doctors going. He's gay. I'm not going to treat him. I mean, it. it um, yeah, people bring their personal prejudices to work, whatever kind of work, and how dangerous it is in healthcare. Racism, homophobia, transphobia. You know, really, the systemic issues we're fighting in this bigger, ongoing conversation literally impact people's lives. It's uh, more than you know, you know. It's more than not, just not making a wedding cake. It really is. I mean, when. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so absolutely. Um, so, all right. Well, uh, Jen Hatmaker, love that name, is an, an evangelical Christian writer and New York Times bestseller. In an episode of her podcast for the Love during Pride Month, she revealed that her daughter Sydney is a lesbian and has uh, been out for some time. And the mother and daughter had a frank and beautiful conversation about what it's like to grow up as the daughter of a popular Christian author and speak in a household steeped in the church and realize you're gay. Of course, that set a lot of evangelicals off. The Christian Post said, the majority of Christian denominations worldwide adhere to the Bible's stance on homosexuality and teach that while it's a sin, believers are commanded to love the sinner. Uh, Hatmaker and Sydney argue that love without affirmation is not enough. Christian Headlines uh, said, we can champion biblical sexuality in the courts and larger culture, but we cannot predict or control secular outcomes, nor can we predict when well-known Christian authors and speakers will change their mind about key biblical imperatives. Hatmaker wrote about all the people that had been sending supportive messages as well. Estranged moms asking their gay children to forgive them. Gay grandma coming out for the first time. Siblings and aunts and kids of trans people reaching out with apologies and connection. And LGBTQ people who finally believe Jesus loves them. I loved it so much. It's such a great example. You know, she's a hugely successful writer. It was like nine books. And I thought those headlines revealed themselves in ways they didn't want to. The Christian Post one saying, Hatmaker and Sydney argue that love without affirmation is not enough. That's exactly what they're arguing. It's what we've talked about for years. It's what you've talked about in your work. Love with conditions, loving the sinner, but hating the sin. Love without affirmation is not enough. And then when Christian headlines said, we can champion biblical sexuality in the courts, just putting it right out there. They want what they think sex is and should be and marriage is and should be. They want to win it in the courts. They want to control other people's behavior and lives uh, according to their own things. So I just thought it was such a lovely thing for fighting from the inside that she's still an evangelical. 
she's still a Christian, Jesus is still important in her life, and fighting that fight from the inside is a way to make change. Absolutely. Uh, love it. Um, well, we've reached the halfway point, which means it's time for me to shamelessly say, if you enjoy the show, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. If you are someone who is financially blessed in the midst of this current crisis and you want to financially support our ability to keep bringing this show while we sit at home with not as much to do or as much ways to make money, uh, you can send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Productions at gmail.com. They are both in the ticker below. It is not expected. It is not required, but it is greatly appreciated. Allison Busby, she knows it. She already got hers in today. Uh, we do appreciate those of you that can. And the rest of you, we appreciate you being here and contributing to uh, this conversation. We enjoy having so much. I believe, Allison, also, I need to tell you that I almost have all of those caricatures back to mail yours out, uh, uh, waiting on a couple of cast members only. Um, all right. Well, and so our watch party assignment for the weekend was the disclosure documentary about trans representation in media on Netflix. So start writing your comments. Tell us what you thought, what it what it hadn't occurred to you before, what you liked, anything uh, responses to it. What did you think, Del Shores? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. There's a lot that I loved about it. Um, I loved seeing the history in cinema so much and how that we have evolved, thank God, but it really hasn't been that far away that they did things that were pretty awful uh, to our, our, I mean, people we know who had to play or, or play characters that uh, I, that whole Candace Kane thing where she was just, you know, dead character and they were, looking up her dress and it was just so humiliating uh for a for an actor and so such a violation but that wasn't that long ago and but i did love seeing um uh laverne talk about candace and how candace role on dirty sexy money made her know she could do this and then yeah. she wanted to you know get emmy nominated it was just it was kind of beautiful and um, it was interesting, you know, it's really hard for us to consume media from the perspective of another kind of person, right? You know, I watch and I'm always super, super attentive to the gay character in a show. And the way they created the clip packages when they talked about the really damaging representation, you know, the clip package of so many people vomiting in response to discovering yeah. that someone was trans. The clip package of so many people revealing, oh, I'm a woman by like showing their breasts um, and thinking about and really hearing the psychological impact for them of the only represent representation they saw for so long was people that were murdered, people that were psycho serial killers or people that were shocking someone because they lied to them about this secret they kept. You know, all incredibly negative and incredibly painful for trans people who, with, I think it was Zeke Stokes from GLAAD talked about, so many trans people didn't know another trans person growing up, so this was all they had to see themselves were these terrible stereotypes. Yeah, um, I, there was something really interesting. I wish I could remember who said it. Um, I, I, I can't remember who, who, who it was, but uh, they, they were talking about 
how even though there were negative stereotypes and that was what they were seeing, it still affirmed to them that there were others out there like them. That yes. was, so this dichotomy was going on psychologically. It was- yeah. well, it's, it's like that, it's that weird thing where like you're happy for the scraps, you know, basically. It's like Candace and Jasmine talk about, you know, they were some of the first representation in playing like a trans woman who dies or playing a trans sex worker, which is overrepresented. And as actresses, it was so exciting to have the opportunity. And for the generation below them, it was so exciting to see that. And now they get to demand and say, um, you know, but yet yeah, great, but that's not enough. Jen Richards is one of my favorite activists to talk about trans issues. She talks about so many nuanced aspects all at once. I think it was her who um, said that, what I was saying. And yeah. she and she talked about that, you know, yeah. seeing, she said, it's not that there aren't trans sex workers because of the nature of trans people not being able to get employment, they're overrepresented in trans workers. And she said, a single clumsy representation wouldn't be a big deal if there was just more representation, right. you know? And I watched Thinking Something too. You know, there might be the urge in us to defend a particular thing we love, a particular film or a particular show we loved because like, oh, it's like, they're not attacking that one thing. They're saying, look, that thing is again using the tired trope, you know, we're tired of seeing. It's not that like that one is bad or even that it's wrong, but if that's the only thing you see, we can do better. Um, so wait, wait, let's roll in through some of these responses, yes? Judy said it was eye-opening and I loved it. I talked about it at work today. <clears throat> um, I think it was, I think for many people, you know, even as much, we talk about trans issues here a lot and there were still like perspectives I'd never considered, the challenges for actors that are trans and then trans that. men talking about how there's so li little visibility for them at all. Well, you know, I, I uh, in, in seeing that Candace's journey and how thrilled she was when she got dirty, sexy money, and then bringing her friends together, and they had lowered her voice. I was just like, I don't, I did not know that. It, but you know, seeing it, and, and 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 you know that I don't know if you know this, but the reason that we cast Candace in Sorted Lives the series was because I saw her on Dirty Sexy Money. I mean- Well, yes, of course, I was there. Um, that, and I loved Dirty Sexy Money, loved that show. Oh, I, I love that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, Matt said, disclosure is sort of the trans version of the 1990 film, The Celluloid Closet. Both documentaries demonstrate the important role that television and film play in the public perception of the community. And I totally agree. It is a very similar like answer to that uh, project. It, uh, it was well, uh, Erica said it was done so well, made me realize how bad some shows were. Yeah, not only shows, but like movies look like it's Silence of the Lambs. I mean, to point that out and to uh, say that Jody is now regretful of agreeing to, to be a part of that uh, stereotype. Yes. Zana said, I was surprised to impress that actresses like Sarah Caldwell was able to work so for so long stealth. They just did it. Yeah. Sarah, she was... Uh, you know, I know a lot of these, I know a lot, almost all of these actors and actresses and activists, but I'd never heard of Sarah Caldwell and her story of leaving the ball scene in New York, the house of La Beja, you know, that everybody knows from Paris is Burning, moving to LA and just working as an actress and not coming out till 2015 to play a trans character in a play. And her like, 
look at all these kids just out here doing it. Are we doing this now? Yeah, I loved it. I did too. I was a little surprised and I'm not, I don't know if it was a, an issue with the rights, but I was really surprised because for me, it's one of the most important trans stories was uh, Calpurnia uh, was not included and was Calpurnia Adams and a soldier's girl was not, uh, nothing about that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know, they didn't do Hedwig. There's, you know, I mean, if you're going for two hours. There's only uh, so many you can hit and a blessing that there are finally enough trans activists, actors, actresses, entertainers, that there are more than can be included. You know, five years ago, you could have used every famous trans entertainer, right? Yeah. You know, before, even right after Laverne and Orange is the New Black started, at that point, you could have used every famous person, basically, that most people, who people knew their name. And yeah. now that uh, is really expanding and exploding as they move into creator and producer and writer positions in addition and Blake and I got to talking about, you know, a, a lot, it's the problems in a lot of places are rooted just in misogyny. You know, the, the trans freak out for trans women, seeing trans women as sex workers, as crazy psychos, and the exclusion of trans men for being, you know, not man enough. Like it's sort of misogyny is inhibits, like is sort of the root of like this issue for both trans women and trans men and the stories that get told about them. So I just found it really, really powerful and yeah, made I, me think about my own perception of uh, trans stories and how they're told. Well, what I love about it and we've hit on it is that as much as you and I, we, 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 we are there, we are, we, we are allies of our, our, our trans brothers and sisters, but, um, I, I was educated. I had, I, I, I learned and that was. And uh, really, really listening to their, how it plays to them. You know, in the same way we would tell somebody else, I don't like this gay portrayal because of this is what it's saying about us um, until there's enough stories that we can stop caring about one that is bad. Also related to this, today is International Non-Binary Day. So a happy International Non-Binary Day uh, to our, non, our non-binary folks out there. Um, and there was really only one mention of uh, non-binary, the the actor from Billions, Asia Dillon, I believe, is uh -huh. their name, um, along the way. So yay, well, thanks, I'm glad people enjoyed it. That was a fun little chat. I, I like these little discussions. We should do more of them as they come up. Yes. Um. All right, we're rolling on in the news. Um, a DC resident posted both Pride and Black Lives Matter flags and received an aggressive letter in the mail that said, we black heterosexuals resent that you gays would equate the gay pride movement with the Black Lives Matter movement. The facts are that most black people are religious and moral and do not support the gay rights movement, even though you gay people try to ride on the coattails of the Black Lives Matter movement. Gays are the most racist group in America the first to move in and gentrify a black neighborhood and discriminate against black local community leaders in that neighborhood and put out racist propaganda on your local racist blogs. Some of you gays have been even been opposed and tried to get rid of black churches, so stop being hypocrites. Well, it was on a DC blog and the local comment section blew up with neighbors pushing back. And of course, many noticing the first obvious issue there, black LGBTQ people exist. Others noted though that there was some truth saying, 
The anonymous author isn't far off in their critique of the rampant racism in the white gay community, and particularly our role in gentrification. One said there were issues all around it, saying some black people, especially those who are super religious, are homophobic. Some gay people, especially white, gay, richer men, of which there are many in DC, are racist. Um, and I thought that last comment, for me, really hit the nail on the head of the sort of complicated thing in this conversation. Like, black LGBTQ people exist, and they experience both sides of those issues, but made a good point about, you know, gay people moving into lower income neighborhoods flipping, redecorating house and sort of moving out the community that lives there. Mm -hmm. And it is often white gay men doing the gentrifying. And it goes back to what we've been talking, what we talked about the other day, about really examining the privilege we as white gay men have in our community versus our experiences in the culture. That we're not doing the same thing in the neighborhoods we live in or in our community, things that are racist or that ignore or dismiss the communities we move to be a part of. So I found it challenging. Yes. Even in the like obvious racism of the first part, you know. Yeah, there's something there. There is. There is. I mean, we. But it's. Uh, it's uh, anyway. It's a. It's. It's a. An issue that we will continue to uh, address, I think, and we will continue to look at. And we need to, uh, like we were saying about the what happened with disclosure. We need to listen and we need to learn. Yeah. Need to and, yeah. And keep. And Pete staying in these muddy issues, you know, it's muddy, it's it's difficult, it's complicated, it overlaps a bunch of different things, and we have to be okay being uncomfortable to work as we work through them. Because I, I think the first reaction is knee jerk and go, no, there's no way I'm right, you know, and then you go, wait a second, yeah, here's, here's what he's saying, here's what. And obviously, the writer doesn't speak for all black heterosexual people, and it you know feeds into the trope that the black church is more homophobic. When we know well and good, the white church is plenty homophobic. Oh, they're just as bad. I mean, they're just I mean, come. On. And it's and it's racist when white gays try to talk about the black homophobic church. Black people are dealing with the itches with their church. We've got plenty to deal with our own churches exactly. without trying to make it like black people are more homophobic because churches, period, have lots of homophobia. They sure do. All right. Uh, well, we got some Tiger King news. Uh, Saf, who was famously featured in Tiger King on Netflix as the man who was mauled and misgendered uh, by a tiger and had his arm amputated, is now appearing in an ad for personal injury, a uh, personal injury law firm out of Georgia. It's, it's a little bizarre. It's a, he tells the story of how on his job injury, uh, he gives gives the details and then he says he went right back to work without compensation. Uh, the doctors told him it would require years of surgeries and relearning to get the, the use of his arm back and he opted to have it removed so he could get back to work. He explains that there are a lot of jobs he can't do but he didn't seek compensation because at the time it was literally the last thing on my mind. I was able to work with those animals and that was my reward. It was a privilege for me to be able to return to work without compensation. A lot of Americans don't have that privilege. Your injuries are permanent. They're lifelong. Your job is not. Then after he's done, two attorneys come on to explain that you deserve to be compensated for your injuries. We help people every day with their work workers' compensation claims. So, This commercial made no sense to me. Saf said, 
cut off my arm. I'm going back to work. I'm lucky I could go back to work. Sir, you should have sat home and sued the shit out of Joe Exotic and that Tiger Zoo monstrosity and gotten that fat check. I thought the attorneys were going to come on and say, and what he could have done right. was ask for our services and we could have got him money. So maybe the two-year recovery to keep that hand, he could have afforded to do. It just, like, there was a logic jump missing here for me. Yeah, there was. An, uh, but but uh, what was logical to me is that they said, will you do this commercial for X amount of money? And Saf needed money, obviously, and is doing this commercial. So there you go. Um, like, but just, just... But, but get some more. You know, you missed out. You missed out on some bigger checks, Sap. I just think he could have grabbed that. Anyway, I just thought it was random and hilarious. And the first Joe Exotic related thing I've been interested in in months, because whoa, we wore that out early <laughs> in the pandemic. Um. All right, just a fun, quick little thing. Scooby Doo has had many iterations in TV, animation, and films since the original six, 1969 cartoon. And of course, the brains of the group, strong woman Velma Dinkley, has long been perceived as a coded lesbian icon for many. Well, two different writers in the franchise have said to her, she is. Tony Cerboni, the producer of the animated series uh, from 2010, said on Instagram that she was a lesbian in his series, posted a picture of her and fellow character Marcy Fleach against the background of pride colors. And when a fan challenged him, he said, I've said this before, but Velma is not bi, she's gay. I don't think Marcy and Velma had time to act on their feelings during the main timeline, but post-reset, they are a couple. You cannot like it, but this was our intention. And James Gunn, the screenplay, the screenplay writer for the 2002 film, where uh, Linda Cardinelli played Velma, said in his first script, she was explicitly gay. The studio kept watering it down until it was ambiguous, and then nothing, and then finally she had a boyfriend in the sequel. So I know that I know lesbians for whom she's one of the um, sort of like, you know, when you look at entertainment and see somebody, you think that uh, that's that's one of that's one of my tribe um, that Velma is definitely in that category. So I thought that was a fun little share. I mean, look at her. Yeah. Lesbian icon, Velma Dinkley. Yes. Um well, this is a disturbing story. Uh, Jonathan Lopez, uh, 29, lost a primary election for a seat on the Umatilla County Board of Commissioners in May in Oregon. And after the election, he posted a photo to Facebook of a letter he received. It said, Mr. Lopez, fuck you and fuck your, I'm not going to say the word, uh, the N word, and choir, loving self. Choir is assumed to be a misspelling of queer. You're, uh, without the apostrophe RE, not welcome here and will never be anything in this community or state. America is only for the great. You and your communist liberal community can go fuck yourself and rot in hell. Uh, Umatilla County kills, um, I don't even know what this is. It's a lot of, um, so it's some. I think it's for Mexicans, a slur for Mexicans with the river. Oh, oh yes, you're right. It starts with wet. And then like you and are dumped in the fields and river. That's why our crops are the best. Oh my God. Uh, so don't waste your time trying to become anything in this country. Uh, we, in this county, we will make sure you never win and your family suffers along with all the fucking Mexicans in the area. Sincerely, America. Uh, he handed the letter over to the police who launched an investigation. And this week, 
the police chief announced that Lopez had confessed to pinning the letter himself with a verbal and written admission. Lopez said, now this is where it really just, I just, ugh, I'm so disgusted by him. He said he never meant to mislead the public. And the letter was supposed to be an example of the sort of discrimination and racism some residents face. He had taken it to the place to discuss racism in the community, but I never meant to file a report. Um, uh, I, it was just kind of spiraled out. The letter written by me came from a dark, low place. It should have never been written, no shit. He went on to say he had accepted that he was not suited or fit to be in public office or leadership. So he, at least he had one very good thought uh, and stating that he has been dealing with many emotions, feelings and thoughts for several months. Well, obviously, he has some mental issues there, but my God, it's like I, if, you're, if that's the point you were going to make, really? Well, I mean, I don't even I, I don't think uh, that I don't like, I don't think that's mental issues. It's taking advantage of your position. I don't think we want to, like, excuse that that I'm way. It. I'm not excusing it. And I, I mean, he he uh, he obviously I mean, and, and, and I think he lied about his intent. I think he intended that it looked like it was real. And it, and then he got busted. And then so he had to do some this this bullshit spin. And it is just bullshit. Yeah, well, and you know, as 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 we all know, every time someone makes a false accusation related to a marginalized community, you know, the Jesse Smollett thing, the anytime uh, someone can be proven to be lying, it gives bigots ammunition to accuse anyone else re relating the circumstances of a hate crime or of an assault or of you know any form of discrimination, they can excuse it with, oh, you're making it up. Obviously bigots don't need an excuse, but when they have examples they can hold up, um, you, you, give, you lessen the impact of the ability of people to be believed when telling their stories. I don't think it's with bigots, Emerson. I think that sometimes that you, when you read a story, you, you, because of people like this, you go for a second, you have that fleeting thought, Oh God, I hope they're telling the truth. I hope this wasn't staged. I hope, and it's because of these assholes that cause those like, as you're saying, with, with valid hate crimes to, to suffer even more than they're, than they have suffered. Yeah. I mean, just really disgusting. It sounds like I lost the election. I'm mad and I'm writing this letter for attention um, and just horrifying in every way just frustrating because it's so hard for people to be believed in a, in a, he said, he said, she said, he said, you know, situation anyway yeah. for, in those kind of things. Well, we're getting close to the end y'all. Any final thoughts, you guys, any comments, questions while you, cause you have a fun, some, a fun redo to share. A redo. Yes, I do have a redo. Um, we are doing the rise together. Uh, one more time, we had, uh, as, as things happen when you go live, um, I was sounding like this. Erica was there and uh, we have rescheduled it for uh, tomorrow. It's uh, 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time. So y'all do the math on that. And please join us for this amazing organization uh, and help us raise money. Uh, for the um, 
uh, Dalgener uh, Memorial AIDS Fund. And this is a Dallas organization. And uh, it's my pleasure to host one more time. Uh, and this time we're going to get it right. Say, take two, even better, because that's an exciting thing. Um, and I tuned in. I was waiting. I was ready. And so now we're all excited. And we can tune in. I know. You, you were the one. You were a wonderful friend. And you were pointing out, hey, Dell, you're live. And you're just sitting there talking. <laughs> um, I just put the link, you all, all of you, into the chat uh, for you to be able to tune in uh, tomorrow uh, to join and watch along with what will surely be a fun and entertaining show. Yes, lots of great guests, lots of them. Um, I'm most excited about Thelma Houston singing Don't Leave Me This Way on her uh, Zoom. Yeah, I mean, an icon. Yes. And a very important song. And all of, our, all of our queens from the Rose Room are, are going to be uh, there. Are they really? Yeah, Jenna Sky is doing a, sh a performance, and I think they're all doing one together. So it'd be like, it's like old home week back at the Rose Room. Just not um, right there. Yes, Daniel said hi from Dallas. Daniel, make sure, are you tuning in tomorrow? Yes, please, Daniel. Please tune in. Join me. Um, uh, look, I did so good. Y'all, we got three minutes left. Any final questions, topics, things you want to hear us say? And I'll put it up one more time. Uh, thank you to Zana and Allison for your tip contributions today. If you also want to send us a little something uh, on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collin Shores Productions at gmail.com. I, I want uh, our audience to know that my dogs love Emerson. They adore him. And it is very, very confusing to them for uh, to hear his voice because we, we FaceTime every day. We write together. And uh, Sissy has been here just looking around. Where, where are, are you? Where are you? Look at her. Where, are, where is he? Where's Emerson? I, Where's Emerson? I know I've where tried so many times to get one single one of them to see me in the screen and they are just not interested. They do not. Do you love Emerson? Rick yes. said, I sang the Thelma Houston, Jimmy Somerville version of Don't Leave Me This Way at Farewell Karaoke for my favorite bartender at Renegades and Silling. Oh, and you're that. out at the bathhouse, Rick. You were just all over the place. You are just going everywhere. Um, uh, Rick has lived a lot. Wayne said, y'all need to do a writing workshop together. Well, we just talked about that the other day for the right. first time. Thank you, Wayne. I, I actually teach an ongoing class. It's full, but uh, but if you're interested in any of my acting or writing workshops, just go to thedelshorestudio.com. And uh, Ken asked, I did not ever meet Naya Rivera personally, and what an incredible tragedy for her family and her son. Um, best known, of course, to many people playing the lesbian Santana on Glee, the tragic accident. Um, obviously, we, along with everybody, send out lots of love to their family as they uh, mourn and grieve. Yeah, very, very, very sad. It was a sad week. There were there were several uh, deaths. We had Kelly Preston uh, passed yeah. away, 50, 58 years old. Uh, there's one more. Um, I, I, yeah. Arthur said, my only Carrie song I sing is the Hokey Pokey. Hey, that's a win at karaoke. I said, karaoke, you either need to be um, so amazing that you blow the roof off a song or so bad that everyone has a good song, so, a good time. Well, what is that? What did Robert Christian? Robert said, I'd love for Dale to read my autobiography story. Well, 
Have you written it? Oh yes, Elvis's grandson. That's right, Lisa Marie's uh, son. Uh, that was a very tragic. So all right, well, that's all we got for today. Make sure you tune in to Dell's show tomorrow, uh, and we'll see you on Friday. Yes, thank y'all for joining us.